This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 54. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Brett Hurst. And I'm your wife, Kelly Hurst. My lovely wife. (laughs) We're both marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement, and this podcast, Marriage to the Max, is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Well, we have a uh, resource of the day that we would like to recommend. It's called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. It's a classic by Dr. John Gottman, who is very revered and renowned, renowned, mm-hmm. sorry. Renowned, renowned. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, marriage education world. Excellent uh, book. Yes. Absolute gold standard book yeah. for marriage. We use it in a lot of different applications. And today's episode is called The Four Horsemen. Actually, we're only going to cover the first two of the four horsemen. These are not the uh, four horsemen that are in Revelation, the book of Revelation, but these are uh, these are still bad horsemen. <laughs> bad uh, horsemen. If you've, if you've listened enough to enough of this podcast, you've heard us mention John Gottman. He is one of the leading experts on marriage in the world. He and his team have been studying and researching marriages for several decades. And something that has emerged from his research are these four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's a metaphor for the four most toxic characteristics in an unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. So the first of the four horsemen that we would like to discuss is criticism. Criticism. Yes. Criticism is... Well, the official definition of the word criticism, it's an opinion or a judgment of what is wrong or bad about somebody or something. Mm-hmm. It's when you're pointing out faults in someone or something, it's when you analyze or judge something negatively. Mm-hmm. And the feeling that I'm left with when I hear this definition is is that in order for someone to criticize another person, the person doing the criticizing evidently feels superior in some way to the person they're criticizing. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? It begs the question, why do we criticize? Like, what Mm. is it about us that enables us to feel as though we have the right or the obligation Mm -hmm. to offer our critical opinion? (laughs) I mean, it really is kind of an egotistical thing when you think about it. I've spent most of my Christian life trying to unlearn this characteristic. Yeah, I think there's something in all of us that likes to say what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, especially in today's society where you know, social media and everything where we like stuff or we don't like, like stuff. And unlike, we just are constantly yes, getting no. ju- judgments and comments, you know. Mm-hmm. But today's question is, are we being critical of our spouse? Mm-hmm. That's the biggest question. So what does criticism look like in marriage? Well, Gottman says that one of the earmarks of criticism is um, speaking in a way that's kind of like pointing a finger at someone. Mm. So that for you, that would be like the when I shake the head. <laughs> you might say, need to don't unpack shake that. that head at me. Because <laughs> it, it makes me feel like I'm exasperating you Yeah, when you shake your head when you leave the room. So I'm like, don't shake the head. Uh, so I, I don't point my finger at you. Now, no. You've pointed your finger at me a few I'm times. I'm sure I have. <laughs> there's Yeah. And I was going to say there's something about being a mom that 
makes makes you feel like you can point a finger, but I think I pointed my finger long before I had children, so that probably doesn't wash. Well, I shouldn't have metaphorically pointed my finger at you to say that you <laughs> yeah, really. point your finger at me, so I apologize. Anyway, Gottman says that people who are critical of their spouses are basically diagnosing their partner's personality defects, and then consequently they want to be appreciated for that by their partner. <laughs> yeah. They expect their partner to respond by saying, thank you so much for pointing out all the ways that I'm failing as yeah, a human being. Thank you. May I have another? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Big, the, I think the biggest mistake that couples make is that they confuse a complaint with a criticism. And this is really key. Mm -hmm. it may but, sound like it's all kind of the same thing, but it's definitely not. So how would you differentiate a well, complaint from being critical? A complaint is when you express your unhappiness about a situation without attributing attributing it to the other person's character. Hmm. Okay. So okay. you're just complaining about a situation, you know, that the laundry didn't get you're just, finished. You're or, whining, basically. Yeah, you're just complaining about the environment or the situation. But you're not assigning that criticism to the person. Mm -hmm. A criticism is presenting a problem as though the other person has a defective personality. Okay. So like a criticism brings with it the intent to make someone right and someone wrong. Mm -hmm. So some generalizations of critical speak might begin with you always mm -hmm. or you never. The deadly you pronoun. Yeah, or you're the type of person who or why are you so, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, these right. are kind of beginnings of sentences that sound critical. It's all about you and all that you're doing wrong. Yeah. And um, when you think about it, I mean, complaints are part of marriage. You can't possibly expect two different people to live side by side for the rest of their lives without complaining about things. Mm -hmm, because we're but, human. but how we complain, I think, is really the key. Because the moment your complaint becomes an attack on your spouse's character, then it's a criticism. That's when you know you've crossed over the line. Absolutely. Okay, so a complaint might sound like, I was worried when you were running late and you didn't call me. I thought we had agreed to call each other whenever we're running late. Mm -hmm. So you're just pointing out something that's not working right you're, you're you're talking about the situation you're complaining about the situation okay a criticism might sound like you never think about how your behavior affects me you're so caught up in your own world you didn't even stop to think about me so it's more accusatory it is and, and you're really kind of attacking the person's character mm -hmm. you know I think what is difficult here is when you have people who are trying to complain in a healthy way, mm -hmm. but their partner automatically hears it as criticism. Mm -hmm. And that can be because of a lot of reasons. You may have grown up with critical parents, mm -hmm. you know, and so maybe everything that's not genuine praise right. sounds like a criticism. Right. And, and sometimes you have to work together as a couple and figure out, that's not really what I'm saying. Let's learn how to communicate this, you know, in a better way. You know, it's interesting, even generationally, how that plays out. My, my parents weren't really critical with us, but their parents were very critical with them. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting how I think I've assumed some of that down through generational lines. Mm -hmm. You know, anyway, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, sometimes so, the pendulum swings the other way. Exactly. So what causes us to even be critical uh, in the first place, other than the obvious, which is our sinful condition. Yeah, well, I mean, I think sometimes we have different motivations to criticize, and it's helpful to kind of unpack this. I think one thing is sometimes we are genuinely compelled to help our spouse improve. Somewhere along the way, 
um, we were told or understood that marriage is about me helping my partner become the best person they can be. Mm-hmm. Well, in a spiritual sense, that's kind of true, mm-hmm. but it's not really your job to do that. It's more your job, we believe, from our faith tradition to kind of let God work on your spouse yeah. and you kind of just be there to love and encourage. I think he can handle it. <laughs> exactly. But um, that's sometimes that's because we have really unrealistic high standards mm-hmm. about how our spouse should behave and how they should perform and what they should you know be like. Right. The, pr- the remedy for this really is just you have to practice loving your spouse unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And that, you know. It, it but, does take practice, Because too. it does. And you've got to remind yourself that, that you're not all that great either. Yeah. You know, you're screwing up half the time, too. <laughs> and so your spouse is having to learn to love unconditionally and, and relax their standards a little bit, too. Mm. It's a it can be something we all well we all need to be working on that really right and don't you think that another reason for criticism is that uh, some people have this desire it's a compulsive need even to be right in every situation yeah which again certainly can be just our sinful condition but mm-hmm. also maybe it's family of origin stuff or other mm-hmm. things that uh, that's the only way we're going to feel Valued. Uh, valued, yeah. Yeah, exactly. or maybe you just never had someone model for you how to say, you know what, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry about that. You know, right. maybe not all of us got that modeled. And so we haven't even, we haven't learned how to say, I, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I didn't do that right. The remedy, I think, is that you've got to have some trust here with your spouse that your trust that your spouse will not steamroll over you if you're vulnerable. Mm. And, you know, we talk, we probably need to do several podcasts on the idea of vulnerability and mm-hmm. how important that is in marriage. But the truth is, we are taught from the time we are very young mm-hmm. to be self protected. You know, I, you can't see me, but I'm putting my arms over my front, you know, right. and kind of a, a breastplate, you know, protection. Self protection. We're yeah. taught that from very, very young. And then you get into marriage where vulnerability can be your greatest asset mm-hmm. but we're not taught vulnerability right because right. that sounds or seems like weakness and that's scary to us and mm-hmm. we don't trust that someone's going to fully accept us as we are faults and all mm-hmm. and love us just the same right and so for people who really have a hard time saying i'm sorry or saying i was wrong uh, that vulnerability is tough, mm-hmm. uh, but if you're creating a safe place in your marriage, that should be the place where you can be as vulnerable as you need to be, and that can be a powerful um, that can be a powerful tool in your relationship. Yeah, I think in our experience, I think I've seen far more men not be sensitive in that area of their ability to steamroll over their spouse. And I think there's a lot of scriptures that would uh, admonish men not to do that. Mm-hmm. But but we've also seen it the other way around. We've seen some... In our marriage, it's the other way around. I I've historically have always been the one... I had to learn how to admit when I was wrong. Hmm. Um, you know, I remember very young, early years, and you, you tend to have a far easier time going... Eh, you know what? I was wrong. I'm sorry. You know, it's just not that big of a deal for you. But for me, I remember. Well, I, I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> I remember I'm wrong apologizing far more and, <laughs> often than you are anyway. So I, I remember many times apologizing to you through gritted teeth. I'm <laughs> sorry. Like that is just so hard to say. You know. So I understand that part of learning how to be vulnerable and wrong, and it's such a powerful key in marriage, though I think. Well, your I'm sorry's mean a lot more than mine do, <laughs> since I have to say it so frequently, but. 
Well, another thing, uh, you know, reason that we can be critical is we don't want to face our own shortcomings. Mm -hmm. And this is really common because we don't want to face our own shortcomings, so I'm going to project it onto someone else. Right, right. Um, But speaking judgment into someone else's life, you know, is much easier than dealing with my own issues. Mm -hmm. I'd far more rather focus on someone else. The remedy really here is a scripture from Matthew 7, 3 through 5. You know, we're not to try to remove the speck in our spouse's eye before removing the log in our own eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember this playing out in such a cute way a long time ago, and and I may have shared this on an episode, I'm not sure, but uh, a few years ago, we experienced Hurricane Ike here in Greater Houston. and a few years ago. Yeah, and so, of course, for days, you know, everything was down and power was out and everything. And so the day after the storm passed, mm-hmm. um, you and I and the kids, the kids were a lot younger then, we got in the car just to kind of drive around and survey. Power was yeah. out everywhere, but we were just trying to see if there were any signs of life. Anywhere. Yeah, or see if anyone needed help or whatever. And so we yeah. pulled up into a gas station. And we saw this woman standing by her car, and she had a flat tire, but we weren't sure she knew her tire was flat. Yeah, right. So we rolled down our window, and I said, ma'am, you know, just wanted you to know that you've got a flat tire. And she looks right at our car and goes, you've got a flat tire. <laughs> and I, and she was right. We had no idea we were driving around on a flat tire. And from the back seat, our, you know, Caleb, who was, like, young, goes – that's kind of like that scripture. <laughs> like, you know, and ever since that moment, I, I've thought, I think of that story every time I hear that scripture that we're so busy pointing out right. other people's faults that we've got some stuff we got to take care of in our own life, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. that was pretty funny. Um, so, what's another reason that we might be critical? Well, I think it goes back to what you were hinting at earlier is that we, we simply don't know the difference between a complaint and a criticism. We've been so conditioned to think they're the same thing mm-hmm. or we've been conditioned to the way that we complain or the way that we criticize. And I think it's important to just emphasize how necessary it is to learn the art of reframing your words yeah. so that your spouse will truly hear you. There yeah. are some words that are more inflammatory, more mm-hmm. sensitive to yeah. sensitive ears and yeah. and you know if one of your spouses if one of the two spouses is particularly uh, sensitive in a knee jerk kind of way well then the other spouse I think has more of a challenge to do a lot of verbal mm-hmm. reframing yeah and it takes practice no mm-hmm. one's just naturally good at this I don't think uh, I think about couples that we sit and work with and when we talk about learning how to say things in a different way um, we get a little pushback sometimes by couples who will go well I don't want to have to like you know weigh and measure my words I need to just be able to say what I need to say but if you think about it your goal in being heard is you want your spouse to fully hear you Right. so what's the best way for me to say this mm-hmm. so that they'll hear me and understand my heart and where I'm coming from. If that takes a little practice so that our spouse can hear us better, I think it's worth the effort. Well, I totally concur. No one likes to be criticized. And, and even when criticism comes our way in a you know so-called constructive tone, we don't want it. Most of us are probably not motivated by criticism. Uh, what works much better is encouragement, mm-hmm. praise, appreciation, validation, those types of things. Those are, those are the hallmark 
qualities that are present in healthy marriages. Mm-hmm. And again, so, we're not talking, you, you you say this all the time, we're not talking about false flattery. Yeah. We're not coming up with help. stuff that's not true. Right. But if you, you know, it wouldn't take you long to think about your spouse's positive qualities and what they do to enrich your own life. You know, you think about it for two minutes and you've got a list. Yeah. Those are the things that we should be striving to bring more of our marriage are those positive qualities. Yeah. And you're listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max. And if you're in the greater Houston area, we always want to let you know about our monthly date night called Dinner in a Marriage. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun evening. Visit dinnerinamarriage.org to find out more details about how to be a part of that. And we are continuing our discussion about John Gottman's Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. That's his metaphor for uh, destructive uh, landmines in toxic. the toxic landmines in the world of, of marriages. Before the break, we were talking about criticism and how detrimental that can be. We're going to move on to contempt. And the official definition of the word contempt is a powerful feeling of dislike towards someone or something, uh, something that's considered to be worthless or inferior or not deserving of respect. You know, you have a few synonyms for contempt, you know, disdain, uh, disrespect, disapproval, scorn, condescension. You know, none of these are things that uh, make you feel really mm, good about yourself. Exactly. So what does contempt look like in marriage? Well, what we discovered when we coach couples in crisis that have an overt contemptuous feel is that, you know, things like insults, name-calling, mm-hmm. hostile humor, mockery, making fun, you know. Um, and I want to say this, that the hostile humor thing, I mean, you know, that's such a cultural norm mm-hmm. now, uh, you know, just in the last 30 years of mm-hmm. comedy, and we love comedy, you know, and all that kind of thing. But it's it's just, we don't even think about how the things that we say, we're, we're just kidding around. Eh, yeah. I'm just horse around. We just pick at each other and right, that kind of right. thing. But the, there's a imaginary line. I'm not going to say where it is. but Yeah, but what you're describing is really more of the uh, the covert uh, contempt. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's overt contempt that's obvious. You know, right. it's name-calling, it's insults. Nobody it's, would dispute that yeah, this is... Yeah, exactly. What's more, a little more dangerous and more subtle and more common, I'm afraid, mm-hmm. is the covert contempt, which is a little bit 
you know, like sarcasm. It's talking over one another, mm-hmm. uh, maybe being passive aggressive. Uh, it's little things like negative body language and tone of voice, mm-hmm. eye rolling, right. sneering, you know, making, you know, those are the things that happen that are far more common. They're still contemptuous, but they're not something maybe everyone would pick up on. Right, right. And we <clears throat> we get into a habit of doing those things when, when there's contempt, and we don't think of them as all that bad, but they really can be very toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked in past episodes about the three components of communication, um, but, which is always good to review, and that is that your actual spoken words are only 7% of your whole communication package. That's, that's a real, very small percentage. It's very amazing. And that's why I think so many people in the digital world through texts and email, uh, there can be so much... Confusion, confusion, misunderstandings. Yeah, I just recently had someone, yes, where I assumed they were being kind of snarky on an email, Mm -hmm. and it turns out they were just trying to be funny and humorous. But you don't have that tone of voice and facial expression to gauge what, so you can get into some trouble there. Um, Or we'll hear a couple say, you know. I can't believe you you know said that, and the person will go, well, I didn't say that. Well, maybe their words didn't say that, mm-hmm. but the rest of what they're communicating does. Their tone of voice, which is thirty eight percent of their package, or or their nonverbals, which is you know the hand gestures or the facial expressions, body language, that kind of thing. That's that's fifty five percent. So ninety three percent is stuff other than. Your, your actual, actual words. spoken words. So, like when our daughter was, you know, thirteen-ish <laughs> and very teenagery. I yep. mean, she wasn't ever really that rebellious, but she had her moments. You, you say that now. <laughs> yeah, you she's twenty-three when, now, yeah, so now you I didn't can say, say that, that when she was thirteen. But you know, when she was thirteen, fourteen, and she would get kind of snarky with me, and I would say to her, "Sarah, I think you owe me an apology," <laughs> and she'd go, "Sorry." <laughs> you know, you the audience can't see my face, but it's quite contorted, you know. And so she was saying the right word. Yeah. If that's all I was going on, she was speaking. saying the right word, but oh, was it miscommunicated, you yeah. know. Um, it's just, it's so important to remind ourselves that how we say things. And the way I kind of distinguish criticism from contempt is I think. I just think of it this way. Criticism is more the words you say that are critical to someone. Mm-hmm. Contempt is bigger. It's an attitude that yeah, you have about your macro. spouse. Yeah, it's just a real negative, you know. It's just attitude. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, Gottman says that contempt is the most toxic of, of the four horsemen. I believe it. That's what we've seen, too. Yeah, we're going to talk about two others in the next episode. But uh, contempt, you know, being contemptuous, it's not something that we can replace with something else, mm-hmm. you've got to eliminate it altogether. altogether. You've got to be yeah. ruthless about getting contemptuous attitudes out yeah. of your it, relationship. It really just can't have any place in a healthy relationship. Yeah, because it allows that to grow and develop more into your marriage, and that's that's not a good thing. I, I was just going to say, we try to tell couples, too, that to learn from each other, because what might feel contemptuous to me, hmm. you might just think of as, you know, just being humorous yeah. or maybe a little sarcastic or whatever, no but big deal. maybe to me that really feels far more negative. And so to kind of learn with each other what's tolerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we want to know whether or not we're coming across contemptuously, the quickest way to, to learn that is just to go ahead and ask our spouse, mm-hmm. was this going over the line? Did mm-hmm. I offend you? Do I offend you Yeah. when I do this kind of thing? Right, right. So how am I doing on the contempt? You're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You're silly. Well, uh, if you have a topic or question that you'd like us to discuss on this podcast, Marriage to the Max, feel free to send us an email to thehearse.com 
at homeencouragement.org, and we'll do our very best to get it on the air. And uh, we hope you'll help us out by rating this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends that they can get these podcasts for free uh, anytime. Rating the podcast helps us to get uh, more visibility, more traction in cyber world. If you write us a nice review, we'll try to give you a shout out on the air to say thank you very much. For listening. And thank you very much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.